Sometimes you hear the gospel in a nutshell, in a couple of sentences. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So now, as we begin our discussion this morning, uh, we're going to dive straight into one of the most important subjects in the Bible as it relates to both the individual and the collective group as a whole. Um, we talk about the church, and we talk about capital C, church, meaning uh, the body of Christ. Uh, we've been talking about spiritual gifts on and off for about a month now, um, describing and explaining how they are given to Christ, I'm sorry, by Christ, uh, to each individual, each individual believer or follower for, um, for the building of the body of Christ, the church. Um, but as I always say, don't take my word for it. Um, listen to the scripture, and, and Ali just read this. This is Ephesians 4, 7. Christ gave each one of us a special gift. Everyone received what he wanted, them, wanted to give them. Now, notice that it says everyone received what Jesus wanted to give them. It doesn't say that everyone received what they wanted to get. or wanted. So we've got to keep that in mind while we talk about a couple other things this morning. Plenty of cross-references, by the way, to that verse. We could be here for half an hour just talking about that one verse. Now, the title of the message this morning is Gifts with a Purpose. So he gave us those gifts, and those gifts have a purpose behind them. Like, my Aunt Artis used to give me these great gifts for Christmas. Um, one year she gave me a microscope. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like in third grade, fourth grade maybe. Then she, next year she gave me a set of walkie-talkies. I was like, oh, best aunt on the planet, man. Those are gifts with a purpose. But Jesus gives us gifts with a purpose, uh, a purpose in mind. Now, um, we're not talking sweaters here or socks or things like that that you get from these other people. But remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about where we can see the spiritual gifts outlined um, in the Bible. It's easy to remember, um, especially if I say it 50 times, right? So there's the 12 and there's the 4. There's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. The 12s and the 4s. Remember those two. Those spiritual gifts are outlined um, in those chapters, and they, they tell us a lot. Now, um, obviously, over the last 2,000 years, uh, we've been reading those lists. And as biblical scholars, we've been pouring over them. We've been t um, comparing them, those lists, um, Counting them, putting them in different categories, racking and stacking, uh, wondering out loud if those lists are actually complete, if there's more gifts that we don't know about. But you guys know me, and I like to be straightforward, straight down the middle. I'm like that Joe Friday, wasn't it, on Dragnet, right? What is it? Yeah, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, right? And I like to stick with what God tells us, because I'll tell you the truth, I'm going to say this later, and, and I say it a lot, but what is really important for us to know, what God really wants us to grasp onto, is clear and concise in, in bite-sized pieces that we can take in. Sometimes we get down some rabbit holes, which are fun to do, man. That's every morning I'm down a rabbit hole someplace about something. But the clear and concise things are the things that God wants us to talk about and to take home with us. Spiritual gifts are actually very concise and very clear for us to understand. So now they're gifts, again, with a purpose. Um, and again, I want to go be very straightforward that um, it's that purpose um, we don't, God tells us that purpose, so we don't have to speculate, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to guess at what God's purpose and goals are. And before we get into that, I want to build into it a little bit, um, and I want to talk about that unity that we experience as Christians, as followers of Christ. But with the spiritual gifts, there's also diversity, because we've got some differences in our abilities to do different things. So the first thing I want to point out to you is this uni unity in diversity. I want to talk about that. If we look back at Ephesians 4 again real quick, actually back up a little bit before, uh, before what we read um, earlier in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. 
Paul says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for, uh, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, uh, for you have been called by God. Now, I spent some time a couple weeks ago really um, talking about this. I'll, I'll remind you that the word worthy here is a business term, which means to balance the scales, to even things out. So God says, I'm giving you all of this, and now, therefore, I expect you to walk in a manner worthy of all that. By the way, we're studying um, Ephesians in uh, Tuesday morning Bible study at 8 o'clock over there in the hearth room if you're interested in learning more about Ephesians, about those first three chapters that talks about who we are in Christ because of what he's done. Now, he says, go walk in a manner that balances that out, right? Look at now Ephesians uh, 4, 3 now. This is where the, that unity starts to come into, into, into focus here. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. Again, I point out again that there's diversity, but we need to be united. There's diversity, but we need to be united. If we're not united in our diversity, it sounds kind of like this. This is a very familiar sound in my life. I've, I can't tell you how many stages I've been on listening to this. That's just an orchestra tuning up, warming up beforehand. A lot of talent on that stage. If you actually listen to it, you can hear the trumpets start to play a couple of licks and things like that. Yeah, I would say we can agree there's a lot of diversity there, but there's not a whole lot of unity in that, right? And that's where we're going with this. If we're out on our own just kind of trying to do our own thing, that's what we end up looking like and sounding like rather than the unity that God has made us to do. So Paul goes on to talk about this. Um, in, in verse 4, he talks about the unity of the faith, right? There's one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Uh, to go on with that, he keeps saying, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, uh, who is over all and in all and living through all. That's the unity of faith that we're going for. And he says, remember back there, it said to keep that unity of faith. Not create it, not figure out how to, no, to, to keep that unity of faith. Here's where we are. This is where we need to be. That's the unity of faith that, that we need to strive for. Uh, that, you know, like I said, that verse 3 was talking about. Make every effort. And then if we peek ahead a couple of verses, um, we look at what I call, we, take the, we, we start with the end in mind. Where are we going with this? Where is God going with this? And what's the, what's the purpose of this? Verse 13 says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. That will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. The spiritual gifts are going to continue until we come to that unity in our faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. So that's what they're there for. So that's the, that's the unity um, in diversity, right? We have different ideas. We have different talents. We have different spiritual gifts, but they all need to be unified in one goal. We're going to talk about that goal in a second here. But I also want to remind us that we have that unified responsibility. Not only is there diversity, but there's a unified responsibility, and the best Spider-Man quote of all time, with great power, there it is, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And there's the OG Spider-Man, you can take all the other ones you want, but there's the one, that's Spidey right there, right? So again, now, our question, the question you should be asking now is exactly, you know, what is that responsibility? The question you should be asking is, what is that? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Testing, one, two, is this on? Turn to somebody and say, what is that responsibility? Thank you. All right, there we go. Verse 12, thank you for asking, says it like this. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, capital H, and build up the church, 
the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. What's the purpose? What's the responsibility of spiritual gifts and our responsibility with those gifts? To build up God's people, to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. They're not for us, they're for the church, they're for the body of Christ, to equip God's people. Now, I spent a couple of weeks uh, looking at and understanding um, the purpose of these gifts. Um, these, like I keep saying, these gifts are the purpose. In actually, maybe at this point, if we actually take another step back, uh, we can understand that, that, as, that we as all believers, as believers and followers of Christ, he's given us a gift. So now the question should be, um, do you know what your gift is? And following that up, are you using your gifts to serve God's kingdom and God's purpose? This series has been going on for maybe, what, four weeks, maybe five or something like that, but we've been interrupted a couple of times in the middle, and I, I told you up front that that's how it was going to go, and, but here we are again. Um, and when I introduced this, the biggest question I've had out in the narthex was people asked out loud, I wonder what my gift is. Well, there's ways to figure that out. There's ways to find that out. And we're going to start keep unpacking that in the next couple of weeks. But the best place to start is, is right here. And I think there's a couple of places where spiritual gifts are pointed out here. I think it's something to do with the 12 and something to do with the 4. Isn't it Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12? And I'm going to write a song about this. 1 Peter 4 and, Ro and uh, Ephesians 4, I almost messed it up, and Ephesians 4, right? They give us these lists of spiritual gifts. And so we can look at those, we can read into them, and it's, again, um, remember what I said about they're the gifts that, that he, God, Jesus, wanted you to have, not the gifts that you want. You don't look through those lists and say, I'm taking that and going to figure out how to do that. No, it doesn't work like that exactly. And again, we'll get into that a little bit more as, as, we, as we keep going. But I want to focus on one of those lists so we can understand um, the purpose of God's gifts and the importance behind them. And as I said a few, years, or a few minutes ago, um, we've had 2,000 years to look at these lists, to talk about them, to try to um, rack and stack them, pour over them, discuss, debate these gifts. But again, I'm one that sticks with what we know, straight down the middle. What can we really discern from this? What can we get agreement from everyone who reads this, right? The things that that God tells us, again, with a certainty and a clarity that we can grasp and apply. Too many times, like I said, we go down these rabbit holes, but we've got to read the Bible with, with, with certainty, with clarity. Grasp and, and apply what we can. Because Paul moves from what, what we have in common, that unity of faith, right? That's what he calls it, the unity, all those ones, right? He moves from what we have in common to how Christians differ from each other. Now, when I say that, I don't mean the divisions that we have in different denominations that, that we seem to, for some reason, concentrate on more than what we actually have in common, which is way more than what we have in, you know, for differences. So I'm not talking about that, um, how Christians differ from each other. I'm not talking about divisions. I'm talking about the diversity, the diversity that God imparts on his people, again, for his purpose. Now, time out for a brief reminder that we're talking about spiritual gifts here. Um, Jared, um, six weeks ago maybe, was talking to you guys and was pointing out the difference between spiritual gifts and, and natural talents or, or natural abilities. I'll talk more on that in a second here, but our abilities, our talents are certainly God-given, right? That's what we heard read here a few minutes ago, right? To be sure, our talents, um, our abilities are God-given. Some people can just simply run faster than other people. Um, 
others play instruments better than other people, or somebody does math better than somebody else. I mean, that's, those are just things that, that, that are talents. Those are just things that are abilities that we do. But a spiritual gift is a God-given ability, a God-given ability to serve God and his people in a way that Christ is glorified. Not just serving, but in a way that Christ is glorified and other believers are strengthened, right? The body of Christ is strengthened is what it, what it says about this. So again, I'm focused on Ephesians 4 here, uh, mostly for simplicity's sake, um, but in reality, there's, there's actually nothing simple about it when we start really getting into it. So let's dig in to what Paul says, the list that he gives us in Ephesians 4. The first one he lists is apostles. Okay, so he says that, that we've been given the spiritual gift of, of apostles. Now, this one, like I said, has us wondering right off the bat, um, okay, so, you know, I talk about translations all the time. Um, this word is actually a Greek word that we call transliterated. So this is a word that exists in the Greek, and we just changed it around a little bit so it's more pronounceable for us. Um, because we don't have a word like that in the English language for what it's about. Now, um, where our hang-up starts to be on this is that everywhere else we see apostles, um, they're talking about, he's talking about the 12 apostles. Um, and there's some prerequisites to being a, an apostle. A, you had to have seen the risen Lord Jesus, and you had to be sent out by Jesus. Okay, so with that as our backdrop, uh, there's a couple of other people that are called apostles that don't fit exactly into that mold. Paul is one of them. Um, Timothy is another one of them. So we have apostles that don't fit that mold exactly. So um, the reason I point that out is because there are people that will tell you that some of the spiritual gifts don't exist anymore, and they're not active anymore. But if we look at I put a percentage on here. 90% of the Bible, 92% of the Bible says that spiritual gifts are alive and active. All of them are alive and active. There's a couple of things that we can look at. But see, that's where we get down these rabbit holes. That's why it's dangerous to go down a rabbit hole because sometimes we take a word or a verse and we try to fit that into the entire Bible. What we really have to do is take the entire Bible and figure out what this has to do with this, not the other way around. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of almost like inverting a pyramid. The big part of the pyramid is the Bible. The point is one word or one phrase or one sentence. So we have to take the whole counsel of God and fit it into this. Now, the whole counsel of God tells us that apostles still exist, but we should just, we just call them different things, and we probably should call them different things. So um, if we take the Bible as a backdrop, what we would call apostles now maybe a little more palatable for us in our brains is missionary, someone who is sent out. Um, and several years ago here I talked about um, missionaries. I talked about going out on mission, that there's two parts to it. There are people who are sent out, who go different places, and there are also people who do the sending, right? So uh, an apostle is considered like the pioneer who go out and, and conquer maybe new territory. Church planters would certainly fit under that category uh, of, of apostles. But um, they're all, every spiritual gift is responsible for basically the same nuts and bolts of it, like uh, the responsibility to equip people to do the work of ministry. So that's what a missionary does. That's what a church planter does. Actually, this word apostle comes from the Roman Empire. Um, the Roman Empire, when they would go out and conquer different lands, um, they wouldn't lay waste to it and just you know, make it a big pile of rubble. They would keep everything that they could um, intact and, and, and still functioning. And what they would do then is they would send out what they called an apostle from the government to go to that land, to go to that city um, with, the, with the Roman kingdom mindset um, to shift how that government works and shift how that government functions and uh, shift how people think, uh, to train and equip them to do Rome's bidding. That's exactly what God does with what we would call an apostle or a, a missionary or whatever you want to call it. 
It's the same thing. That apostle was sent out um, with, the, with God's kingdom mindset you know, to shift the way people think, to shift the way people do things, to train and equip them to do things um, the way God does it or for God's bidding, the way God wants it done. Again, that term bothers um, some people, but the role is still alive and active. So call it what you want, put an asterisk by it however you want to, but the, the role and responsibility that comes with that is still alive and active uh, today. And the second one doesn't get much easier. It's very closely related, actually, to prophet. Um, when we see the word prophet, we think Isaiah, we think Jeremiah, you know, the guys in the Old Testament. Well, that's not exactly what uh, the word prophet means. Um, now, we take this uh, sometimes too far in the other direction. I've heard a lot of people come up and tell me about this prophecy they heard about because that's how they want things to go or they think that's how things should happen. Well, that's, that's not what a prophet does. Um, so uh, we see um, prophecy is people trying to get other people to buy into what they're thinking. But if we look closely again to the, to the word apostle, how the word prophet is very closely related to the word um, apostle, prophets receive a message from God. They receive a message from God that, that they um, share with others uh, to prepare God's people. Again, it's the same idea, to prepare and equip um, God's people. Um, prophets have a role of, of interceding for people, um, meaning a prophet can help edify or, or build up a church, right? And, and church leaders especially. Um, and then as we start looking at some of these other ones, they, these two start to make a lot more sense as we start to look at uh, a greater list as a whole. I took some of these because these are some of the tougher ones to, to chew on and, and to take bites of. And the other ones are a little bit more palatable that we'll get to in um, the following weeks. But the next one is maybe a little more palatable for us. It's evangelist. Okay, so evangelists do what? They, they gather people together. Um, an evangelist, by definition, um, here, um, is someone who shares the gospel message. Um, mostly, but not exclusively, with people who haven't heard it before. Mostly, but not exclusively, sharing God's message with people who haven't heard it before. Um, they often do this through preaching, through teaching, or just simply having conversations out um, in the world. I can tell you about a couple of conversations I've had out in the world, and I'm sure Paul can tell you a thousand conversations he's had out in the world um, by introducing God's message, God's gospel to people, just by doing it, right? Um, but evangelists, this is why I say not necessarily for the hearing, people hearing it for the first time. Sometimes we hear the gospel, or we present the gospel, and it bounces right off of somebody. And then the third time they hear the gospel, it bounces right off, and then the fifth time they hear it, it's like they're hearing it for the first time, right? Okay, so are they new believers? I, I don't know, define it however you want to. But evangelists have a heart for, um, for what we would say discipleship, uh, which means that they help new believers grow in their faith. Evangelist helps new believers grow in their faith. Um, again, by, by breaking down God's word um, to uh, ways that, that we can understand it. I'll say, okay, so now I, I held back on this and I want to, because I wanted to show you it at this moment. Um, Ephesians 4.11. This is, um, again, Allie read this a second ago, but it's a little bit more um, the language that I'm using, the words I'm using. And he, Christ, gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Okay, uh, pastors and teachers. Okay, so now, um, this pastors and teachers, again, 2,000 years worth of trying to figure this stuff out, and we still um, look at a couple things a little sideways and say, now, is that one thing or is that two things? Pastors and teachers. If we had an Oxford comma in there, then 
we would know for sure that it's two things. But the Greek language works a little bit different than the English language. So what do you think? Is this one thing or two things? One thing? One thing? One thing? Guess what? It's both. It's one thing and it's two things. So, why is it one thing? Well, if your pastor is not teaching you, then your pastor is falling short of what God says we're supposed to be doing. However, a pastor by definition, is someone who shepherds the flock, the local church. Um, care for spiritual needs of people in their church. Um, pastors certainly have a role in, in teaching in what we would traditionally call preaching. They often do this through sermons, through Bible studies, through messages. Pastors guard the sheep, just like a shepherd would guard a flock of sheep. A teacher, though. A teacher is responsible for instructing others in the things of God. So that's why we look at it as two and one at the same time. Breaking down the word of God, how do we do that? Well, Sunday school, we do it in Bible studies. We do it uh, maybe set from the pulpit, maybe uh, in other places. And it doesn't have to be a formal thing. You know, a lot of times mentorship comes in a, in a heartbeat rather than in a formal setting. Teachers also have a heart for equipping people to be able to study the Bible on their own. So now, we have different gifts and we have the same purpose, but we have different tools, we have different gifts. Um, later we'll look at some more that are a little bit more, like I said, more palatable, encouraging, um, giving. You know, um, some people just have, have the ability to open their wallet and give as much as, uh, as a need uh, presents itself. The gift of helps. There are people that just show up and things just go better. There's a gift of mercy, gift of faith, gift of leadership, things like that. Again, now they're all pointing at the same goal. Much like a uh, carpenter would use some different tools. I have a demonstration up here, an illustration up here for you. Much like a carpenter would use um, different tools, but the same goal of, of building a cabinet or building a, a table or something like that. I need um, a couple of volunteers. Would you two uh, over there be willing to come up and, uh, I won't embarrass you too much. Scott and Carissa, give them a big round of applause. Okay, I'd like you over here, and I'd like Chris over here, please. All right, so now I've got some tools here, and, and we're going to build something. I've got this piece of wood here. I have for you. Um, actually, here, you can pick your tool. I have, I'd like you to put this screw in this, uh, this hole right here. And actually, it's Scott, so I'm going to be very careful and make sure that he uses the right tool. You, have you? Yes, right? All the way, please. We'll wait. And yes, it's a small screwdriver, and that's on purpose. It's like that one that your mom kept in her sewing machine, right? And you think, was this for glasses? Is this for, what is this for? Okay, that's good. All right, good, excellent. All right, so now, Carissa, do you recognize any of these tools on the, on the table here? Oh, yeah. Do you recognize this one right here? Yes. Okay, good, all right. And do you recognize this right here? Oh, I know. Oh, by the way, we're, we're done with you. you. You can go back and sit down now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, would you please take that nail and just put it in that hole right there? You did that better than Jeff Shulo did this morning, by the way. <laughs> all right, so how long have you known Scott? No, don't leave. You don't get out that easy. 20. 25 years. And um, do, you, More than that? do you know him as a person that has trouble following directions and is a little bit of a slacker? No. No, all right. So Scott has trouble following directions. I'm just going to say for a second that he put this screw in the wrong hole. This is your tool, by the way. All right. So now Scott is, he, he's the tool. He is, he is the screwdriver. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't say he's a tool. I said he's the tool. All right, so um, what I need you to do is uh, take up the slack for Scott. So would you please, with your tool, would you please take that screw um, out of this hole and, and put it in this hole without, uh, without damaging the wood? Don't, you can't just yank it out. That would really damage the wood. You've got you to actually screw it out. Go for it. You got this. Come on. I can't do that. I don't have the right tool. You don't have the right tool because Scott, well, I know, what can you can you use it to? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he's saying, I think he's saying using the like this. But I, I, I think he's messed up. That's going to damage the screw. Can you even, yeah. All right. So the point is, we need Scott here back here to do that. And I think he stole my screwdriver, by the way. All right. So give her a big round of applause as well. So you see the point, right? If we have, say, a, a job here at the church that needs to be done, right? As, say, just as simply as putting a screw in. Um, if we don't have the right tool for the job, I've got a couple of other tools up here, too. I mean, we can maybe make one of these work as a hammer, but if we try to use these tools on anything else to do this screw, it's going to damage the screw, it's going to damage the wood. Things aren't going to look the way they're supposed to look. We need the screwdriver that Scott stole from me, right? <laughs> so that's, that's how our church functions. That's how our lives function. We need the right tool for the job. And when that person isn't around, things don't go the way they're supposed to go. Things don't get put in the right holes and things just don't get done. Or they get done a little bit differently that may or may not damage what we're actually trying to accomplish. So I've been talking for a couple of weeks about our responsibility here um, at the church. There's another insert um, in your bulletin that says, it's this one right here with a little colorful, some people put some time and effort into thinking about how we should do this. This says, I'm a valued contributor to God's kingdom at Grace and want to help on Sunday mornings with, and then we can check what applies. Now, we're not talking directly about spiritual gifts here because we're going to do that later, but in order for our church to function, we need some of these things filled out. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to take a look at this, maybe check off a couple of those boxes. Because as we start to do some of these things, or are interested in doing some of these things, we have some of, the, of God's people that are on that list that Paul says in Ephesians 4, that are going to train and equip us to be able to do these things. To strengthen God's body, to, to, to build up the Church of Christ. These are simple ideas, simple things, right? We have different gifts, as I said, for different purposes. We have, just like we have different tools with the same goal in mind. Okay, so this piece of wood isn't going to become a beautiful cabinet the way it sits, but we use different tools for different, for different jobs. We, if we wanted to make a, a fancy corner on this, we wouldn't use the tools that you see up here. Well, Scott might, but we don't use the tools that we would see up here. We would use a specialty made, a specially made tool for what we're trying to do. That's what God does in the church. That's what God does with his people. And there's a couple of things that we have to understand. Like, number one, God's call um, that comes through his gifts doesn't really give us a lot of alternatives. Doesn't give us the different answers that we might be looking for. And again, we're going to continue to, uh, to unpack how to discover your gift or your gifts with an S. 
But for today, for right now, I want you to think about a couple of things because there's, there's three things we need to keep in mind as we move forward. Three things to keep in mind about spiritual gifts as we move forward. Because like I said, sometimes we can do this and we think it's an academic study. That we're going to get tested on the definition of an apostle or the definition of a prophet the definition of an evangelist. That's not why we do that. That's not why we talk about things. We talk about them because sometimes when we talk about them, they start ringing true in our head. We start relating to one more than another. That's one way to figure things out. But the three things we need to keep in mind as we move forward with this is number one, the number one thing we need to think about is who gave that call in the first place. The one that created you, the one that created the universe, has given you that call. And one day, telling you the truth, if I can get through it, <clears throat> one day, we're going to find ourselves face to face with the living God, with the creator of the universe, who has called us to serve for his purpose, for his kingdom, to equip First thing to remember is who gave that call. It's not a roll of the dice. It's not a letter, a random letter we got in the mail. No, this is why you were created. Who gave that call? The second thing we need to think about is what's at stake here? We're at risk of breaking away from God's plan and God's purpose. Not just you, but the kingdom of God if we don't put our gifts to use. Who gave the call? What's at stake here? The third thing we need to, to keep in mind, and maybe this could be more towards the front, is how to say yes to God. How to say yes to God's plan and to God's purpose. Sometimes that means putting our plans and agendas aside to make room for Him. We don't want to do that. We got something going on, we got something, but we don't want to put that aside so that we can make room for God. Not just to worship him, but to serve him. To walk in a manner worthy, balancing the scales of his calling. To make room, make way for him. And here's the thing, and there's no getting around this. If we don't put those gifts into practice, we are the losers here. God's got nothing to lose. We have everything to lose. And we're the ones with that, remember that closet full of unopened gifts that God tailor-made you for the gift and then tailor-made the gift for you before he laid the foundations of the earth. But the opposite is true. When we start working together, when we start, and you didn't steal my screwdriver, by the way, when we start doing the things that God designed us to do, right? When we start doing the things that God designed us to do, things get a lot easier, and things start looking a lot better, and things start going the way God wants them to go. All too often we think, well, we're out there on our own, but God says, no, we're here to train and equip each other to further God's kingdom, not just here in this church, not just there in that pew, but out in the world. That's what he says these spiritual gifts are for. They all look different. They've all got different purposes. They've all got perfect purposes. But they're not interchangeable. And without one or without the other, 
things don't go the way God intends them to go. That's why we're spending time doing this. That's why we're spending time talking about it. That's why I'm encouraging you to read those four places, to look at them and say, hmm, not to pick the one you want, but to say, man, I wonder what other people think and how, do, uh, how does it work and how does that ring true in my life? And it has to ring true in our life because, like I said, if we don't put these gifts into practice, we are going to lose. But when we do put those into practice, things start looking the way God wants them to look. Can I get a rousing amen? Thank you. All right, let's stand, please.